Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Everybody, welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan, and today I am joined by Kevin McNulty. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bridget. What a pleasure to be here. Kevin and I were talking about the tech fails that I'm going through right now. I had this huge presentation out in Louisiana in early June of 2022, and I am so thankful that my computer failed after I got home from the presentation. I'm telling you, I would, I would have gone into cardiac arrest if that computer had died on me. Actually, I told Kevin Mm. Uh, if that computer had died before my presentation, I think I would have died right along with it. So the computer at the time of this recording is still in the shop, has been in the shop for about three or four days now. I am operating off of my backup Mac. So our lesson for the day is always have a backup plan. There it is. In life, (laughs) in love, whatever. Mm -hmm. I always have a backup plan, but yeah. So Kevin, you were telling me a little bit about kind of a funny story where you saw a tech fail in a presentation. What happened? Yes. Well, and I will say that I've had my fair share of technical failures right in the middle of a speech or something like this. And it's dependent on where you're at in speaking. It can be the most devastating thing in the world. But yes, we, I was at a, a meeting. This was several years ago. It was a lunchtime meeting and they had this really uh, big tech company that came from another city. They traveled four hours to get here to the area that I live in, in the Nashville area. And uh, everybody was looking forward to it. They were talking about all the newest technology and it, it was all kinds of like audio and visual technology. So I love technology. I'm not a geek. I, I really don't know technology that well. I mean, you know, not from uh, I just enjoy it a lot. And so I was fascinated, ready to listen, and they're about to start their presentation, and none of it worked. And, but I mean to tell you, Bridget, it didn't just like fail. They never got it working. Whoa. The entire, they had like a 30, 45 minute presentation. And I remember sitting there, first of all, I could empathize as a speaker. I was like, but I also thought to myself, this is worse. I mean, as a speaker, I could just claim ignorance. They are te- technological experts, and they they were so embarrassed. You know, it was a good lesson, though. You know, you're exactly right. Have a backup plan, even if <laughs> even if technology is your is your domain. <laughs> you have to. You have to. Mm-hmm. I had this colleague on this team where I used to work, and I'll talk about that in a second. And he would tell his audience when he was getting ready to do a presentation that was deeply steeped in technology he would tell them because this is a presentation about technology or about some new software there is going to be a tech fail and when the tech fail happens i need you to clap and i'm telling you it never failed (laughs) to fail (laughs) within probably 20 minutes of his presentation there was some kind of glitch and you know everybody clapped and laughed and we just kind of kept moving on but that company where i worked it was an ed tech company 
And I was on this team where all of us used to be educators in higher education uh, at colleges and universities. And we would travel the country doing workshops and presentations and such. And I would tell people, I teach professors how to teach. That was essentially what I did with faculty development workshops. And I remember one lesson that I would always just go back to almost, it it almost didn't matter what the topic was that I was presenting on. I would always go back to sharing with faculty members that, you know, I don't care if you're using some new cool technology, if you're using active learning techniques that I've gone over, or if you're doing, you know, classroom assessment strategies that I've shared with you, I don't care, take whatever strategies you want. But I want you to remember this, try to be, try your very best to be the professor or the educator, whatever title you want to give yourself, try to be the teacher for your students that you wish you had had. Wow. You know, you can go to any conference workshop, read any book, any article, all that's great. But for me, what it boiled down to was be that cheerleader, be that hero at the front of that room for those students that if you were to flip the script, you wish was at the front of the room for you when you were in the student's position. Man, I love that. What yeah. a great lesson all yeah. the way around. Yeah. Goodness. You know, I've, I've, had, um, <clears throat> I've had very similar thoughts. And in fact, one of the things that I always recommend to speakers is, in fact, you know, learn how to really talk, you know, into the heart's and minds of the people sitting there, you know, you know, this is kind of, and you know, this speaker 101 that you don't speak at an audience, you know, you, you speak, you know, but I like to say, speak into their hearts and minds, you know, make that deeper connection with them. And one of the ways that you do that is to, in fact, speak directly to a person or when you, when you can, when you can learn to read your audience and, and have some intuitive thoughts about somebody, you, you go up and give them a compliment. I mean, right in the middle of this, it's, it could be a compliment. It could be some level of appreciation. You know, maybe they say something. And if you want to just immediately affect a person, like you're saying, or a group of people, you start by just being complimentary and appreciative and, you know, and, you know, and speaking to them in the way that you said, things that lift them up, that make them go, oh, wow. You see, I might, I might detect, for instance, maybe, I mean, you have to kind of know my style of speaking, which is quite interactive, but I might detect maybe a person, um, now, you know, I've been doing this a long time, so I'm not suggesting that you just jump out there and do this, unless you, you kind of know the field, but I might detect detect a person who's really maybe lacking some self-confidence. Maybe maybe there's something that's just obvious about them. And I will absolutely zoom in on that person and say something to them and watch them sit up straight. And everything changes after that. Not just for them, but the audience, you know, they get that message. They get that. They're like, wow, he just really complimented or appreciated, appreciated or, or something in this person in front of these hundreds of people here. And it made them feel good. And so it makes me feel good. It's a, it's a game changer in my way of thinking. When you shine the light on others. There it is. That light ends up shining on not only that person. Yes. Everybody around them. 
And it shows what a bright shining star you are. Love that, man. All of a sudden, if they had a negative perception of you, which I cannot imagine that being the case, (laughs) but if they had any slight negativity in their hearts and minds about you in that second, in that moment, it shifted for the better. That's exactly right. Totally. Kevin McNulty is an international speaker, author, coach, and podcaster with a simple mission in life to inspire and help people learn and grow in their personal and professional lives. As a personal growth coach and keen observer of people and culture, Kevin has observed how few people tap deep into their greatness. More, he believes that every human should mature and explode like a cattail. You're taking me back to my Southeast Texas roots with those cattails spreading their seeds of knowledge and wisdom in the wake of their life. Kevin uses his speaking and coaching to help people contemplate and then take bold action to unleash their powers to be. Tell me, how do you do that in your presentations? How do you move people to unleash that power and just the the rock stars that they are well it's complicated (laughs) my speaking style has always been very interactive um and as a matter of fact i remember when i first went into full-time sort of keynote style speaking i tried to gravitate to that traditional style of a of a you know well-written speech that was essentially memorized you know but memorized to the degree that you can't tell it's memorized and you know it inside out and all of that's good. I mean, we've known some of the great greats who do that. And there are many great people that do that. But I, I literally, one, need the energy from the audience. And I'm not scripted at all. And so from the very beginning, I should say that I started all of this work when I was in the Air Force. I actually did training and, you know, and, you know, on human relations, education, these other sorts of things. So it lent itself to discussion, a lot of discussion. So when I got out of the Air Force in 2000 and started doing, going into the keynote market and these sorts of things, um, I guess on the one hand, you could say I just kind of went back to what I felt most comfortable with, but I also realized, oh, wow, this works with a keynote audience as well. And then lo and behold, years later, a few years later, the, you know, even the speaking industry started changing and now even meeting platters will say well i want you to be interactive i was like man i've been interactive before interactive was real thank you (laughs) yes and so and so i say this that you know when it comes to um you know to to speaking to people and helping them to realize their powers to be part of that is through my direct interaction with them even during a keynote so let's just say that I just delivered a keynote a couple of weeks ago down in Georgia and it was called from limited to limitless. And it was all about, you know, it, it, it wasn't sort of this dreamy speech where, you know, if you want to be an astronaut, even though you're 90 years old, you can do it. It wasn't that it was talking to them about their paradigm, their mindset and, and how you can have one or the other, or it could be on a continuum more of this and a little bit of this, of, of that. But in, in the course of that, uh, conversation, if you will, I would walk up to somebody in the audience and say, you know, I just want to, you know, what do you do for a living? They'd say a little bit. I'd say, you know, what, is this what you really wanted to be when you were a kid? Or is there something else that you want to do? And, th- and they might express that. 
And then I'll say, you know, what's, what's holding you back? And I mean, the whole, the question, Bridget, changes everything. The simple, bold question makes people go, oh, that's a good question, you know? And then they start talking and then I ask other people and suddenly people just start thinking for themselves and they come to these realizations that like, for instance, your power to be, you, you have the power, at least the capability to have maybe not be a limitless, uh, a, a limitless person, but a limitless mindset. And that's when they think, yeah, I do kind of think along the lines of, what I can't do as opposed to what are the possibilities. And so I guess to, to round this off to your, to answer your question, it is through that direct uh, questioning and speaking into people's hearts and minds and letting them express themselves and then go, Oh, wow. You know, you know, this as the aha moment or, or whatever we, we want to call it. That's, that's at least one of the ways that I do that in speaking. Is that your number one secret sauce for creating that emotional connection? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Now for listeners, that sounds a little scary to just go out on a limb, ask this, ask this complete stranger. Yes. What do you do for a living or whatever the case may be? What advice do you give to someone who's saying there is no way in the world I could ever do that? It's actually a lot simpler than people think. So for instance, um, if you really want to be prepared, when you ask a question, you certainly want to know, we want to make sure that you know where you're going to end up with that question. So you might, for instance, you know, there's a sort of standard coaching process, but, or facilitation process. So I might have an answer back here. So I might say, you know, what is holding you back? And I may have something that if that person that interacts with me doesn't come back with something that's, you know, strong or relevant or ads or whatever, then I bring out what I was thinking, or I may go to another person. What about you? What about you? And, but I may have a, a central point that I'm going to try to get to. So it's kind of like, you know, um, if I asked, no, I'll give you a great example. So my mentor, he was actually a personal mentor, man named Marshall Goldsmith. He was doing a speech up at National Speaker Association up in New York in 2008. I'd heard about him, didn't know much about him, but people were just ranting and raving about who this person was and all this sort of thing. So I, um, so I rushed to the lunchtime venue when he was going to speak and there's 1200 people in the audience. He comes out and first of all, he's in a polo shirt and khaki pants, kind of real plain looking. And he goes, hey, you know, that's all he says. Hey, y'all, you know, whatever. And so he says, hey, I got a question for you. How do you become a better leader? How do you know what to do? Okay. And so he would, he asked that question and people were throwing out all kinds of ideas. Now you're sitting with a bunch of speakers and consultants and coaches, you know, with the National Speaker Association. They're all throwing out these fancy answers and he was being polite. Say, okay, that makes sense. Okay, I understand. In his mind, he had the answer that he wanted though. So if it came out, then he would accentuate. If it, he didn't, he would say, it. he goes, yeah, all of those are really great ideas, but here's the answer. Go ask your employees. And I mean, a hush came over this place because they were like, what? That's it? That's how you become a better leader? Just go ask your employees. And, and then he went on to profoundly state that, yeah, if you want to know how to be a better leader, go ask your employees a simple question. Bridget, how can I be a better leader for you? 
I mean, it's was so mind blowing. But you see, the point is, is that he didn't have to have this fancy answer. So part of what I'm saying to you is that one, you it's good to have the central answer in your mind about where you're going with that question, if you will. And then secondly, keep the question really, really simple. And then thirdly, trust your audience. They know the answer. They're going to give you the, they're going to give you more answers than you ever want. So I, I will say one more thing about this, if I may, Bridget, when it comes to interacting with your audience. This is the way that I look at it. And I do recommend this for your listeners uh, as speakers. When you walk out to the audience, and sometimes you can't, sometimes you can't, it kind of depends on how it's set up. I try to get really into the audience itself. And you pick somebody out sitting down. Um, the way that I treat this, and sometimes I'll ask them to stand up. It just kind of depends. But um, what I try to do is then get as close to them without obviously violating their sort of personal space. But what I want to create is this intimate conversation with just you. I block everybody else out and they will too, because you create that scenario. And, but here's the other thing that, that happens is the rest of the audience. I don't care if it's a hundred, 500, a thousand. It's like they're literally, peering in on this intimate conversation it's kind of like they're they're there they're listening they're quiet but the conversation is just between me and you it's a powerful powerful way to interact with the audience Mm. and there's something about engaging with one person where no matter how large the audience is, mm. and especially if it's a ginormous audience and they've mm-hmm. got you up on the jumbotron mm-hmm. and whatnot, each person feels like you're interacting just with him or her. Good point. It, it, yes. it, it, it really does feel that way. And let's say you don't have the luxury of a large projection screen that is simult- mm-hmm. simultaneously broadcasting you to the rest of the audience. Let's say it's just, you know, maybe 50 people or a hundred people. It's still the same effect because everybody, I promise you, when you're having a true heart to heart or maybe not a heart to heart, that sounds a little deep. I love presentation, it. But, you I'm know, good with it. But if you're having this one-on-one, mm-hmm. if, it, if it's a one-on-one that is clearly bringing value, that's Mm -hmm. clearly exploring a topic that's of interest to everybody. You will see everybody in that room, even someone who's on the far opposite side, everybody is dialed in as if you were talking to them. So you're 100% correct. Yes. In a minute or two, you are going to throw a question at me, Kevin. I cannot wait to hear it. But my next question for you is this. Have you always been a confident speaker? You know, the truth is yes, to be honest with you, because first of all, I grew up in theater. So, and as a musician and choir and band. So honestly, I, I grew up and my, my, my father was a singer too. I mean, he was in the army, but he was a, also a singer. So I kind of grew up being in front of people and by the time I got on the stage for the first time, it just wasn't that, uh, it, it, I'll be honest with you, though, it, it was a bit of an Achilles heel to, to a certain degree because I was a little bit too confident. Mm-hmm. 
and maybe not as prepared because I thought, eh, eh, it's no big deal. And and that was a real, that was a real wake up call for me that even though I'm confident standing in people in front of people, I still need to know what I'm talking about. Duh. <laughs> you know? So yes, I, I, I suppose I have. Okay. Now, for those of us who haven't always been confident, how can we take a lesson from you to be a little bit more confident? I heard one, which was that preparation piece. I feel the exact same way. I cannot deliver a presentation without practicing beforehand. I mean, I can, but I don't want to see or feel what that looks like. (laughs) Listen, you you hit it on the mark. You know, first of all, there's just nothing that will replace preparation. I don't care, you know, unless you're just an extemporaneous speaker who can just jump out there and speak about things. But that's typically somebody who's very seasoned and has a large body of knowledge underneath them. So, um, so there's a, there's a couple of things. Um, a friend of mine, Joe Calloway, I remember he was talking to our speakers group one time. And the one thing that I loved about him, and he's an exceptional keynote speaker, is that when other speakers would come and talk about how to be a great speaker, this, that, and the other, the thing that blew me away about Joe is he would start off saying, well, let me just keep it real. First of all, you got to have a great speech. I mean, if you don't have a great speech, I mean, I don't care how good you are. Nobody's going to call you. He said, so how about starting with that? write a really good speech. And so I would say that that's part of it is that you write a speech that you are confident in. I mean, there's still the get up and deliver it. But if you're not confident in what you're speaking about, you know, again, it's still going to come across, you know, it's, it's still going to uh, elicit some nerves. Secondly, and you already know this, and many of your listeners know this, that nerves are, can be a positive aspect of your speaking it's it's do you know how to focus them can you can you bring the nerves and the emotions down enough so that it's not obvious that you're nervous you know because I still even depending on the speech but I often still get nervous it's not a matter of are you nervous or not it's it is whether one the nerves are debilitating and therefore you choke or you know or is it a certain level of energy that once you get that energy flowing in the right direction, you suddenly, everything changes. The critical part here in keynoting is that like, if you're doing a workshop, if I'm doing an eight hour workshop, let's say, or two day workshop, you know, I've got an hour to warm up. You know, I mean, I could just, I could just work it until, you know, I start to feel really comfortable. Keynote, you got to come out of the shoot jamming. You don't, you get 30, 45, 50 minutes, you better come out blasting because it's not, it's not going to go well if, if you don't. So prepare, of course. Uh, the other thing is to figure out then to how do you, one, approach the stage before going on and get a certain level of relaxation going on. And that's so different for some people. You know, some people, you know, go run 10 miles and others, you know, just want to focus and others go out and meet the audience. I mean, just do different things. And each speaker, you have to try different things to figure out what makes me feel the most comfortable with stepping up on the stage and then and start practicing that and do that all the time. The third thing that I will say, and this is going to be a little bit more abstract, but, you know, your viewers should go look this up if they're not familiar with it. There's a thing that we call the flow state. In fact, a, a guy named um, 
Mikhail Chinksman Haile, I think is his name, is a Hungarian guy. He passed away, God rest his soul. He wrote a book called Flow. Doesn't have to do with speaking, but it's this idea, and, and I can see that you know exactly what I'm talking about. This, this is where the best way to describe flow state is that if you, let's say, if you go out and start working on a flower garden, even if you don't know that much about it, it's not that complicated. You start working on it, you suddenly get into this state. We call it the flow state, that everything else goes away. You're just there. It's meditative. There are sports people who have mastered this. I'll say Michael Jordan, among his many great attributes, what he knew the best was how to get into the zone and he made it happen. And people would tell you, uh, you just couldn't stop him once he went into that flow state. So figuring out how to get into that flow state quicker will then uh, elicit more confidence. You will forget your nerves. Why? Because you are just exactly in the state of mind that you ought to be. And guess what? It is very contagious. It's energy that, you know, you've been to a concert, right? Where ah, the band didn't seem to be doing well and the audience was kind of bored. And then there's other concerts. It's like, the whole place is in this flow state. It's like everything is absolutely perfect. And so again, to me, that's a little abstract, but I, would, I might submit to you that um, it's a little bit outside of the box than what probably most of your listeners have, um, you know, have thought about when it comes to, you know, how do you get up with more confidence in front of a stage? And it is a practice. You took me back. I used to teach. I used to teach mm. at Curry View A&M University. Wow. And one of my proudest moments was being able to create a course that actually ended up getting added to the university's catalog. And it was a college success course. And in oh. that course, I talked about and taught about the state of flow. And that's oh, when goodness. you get into that zone, like you said, mm-hmm. where it looks like work on the surface, but you are so energized. You are so yeah. immersed into it. And like you said, everything else going around, going on around you is just irrelevant. It doesn't even exist. You are so into it. And that's what has to happen in your presentations in order that's for right. that confidence to turn up a notch that's is right. where you love your topic so much. You are so into it. You're so passionate about it until it is evident to your audience. There's nowhere else you'd rather be than right here, right now. You are fully involved, fully enjoying the moment, fully enjoying the process of teaching your audience about this concept. I think about a girlfriend recently asking me, Bridget, what do you do to relax? And I thought, I I don't know, (laughs) right? But it was days later that it hit me, Kevin. Relaxing for me is riding my bike. Oh, Although yes. for some people, it, it, and especially I'm in the Phoenix area, it's you know 90 degrees at 5 a.m. <laughs> but <laughs> getting on that bike, and I used to go out 18, 20 miles, uh, mm. but with time constraints Goodness. and it's getting so warm, I do maybe about 12, 15 a day now. <laughs> but right it's 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 not working for the avid cyclist that's Uh, nothing i remember telling a girlfriend who you know rides 30 miles in her sleep or whatever oh i'm riding she's like oh give me a break but on that bike i i I think a little bit about work 
but I am so in the zone. I mean, I'm yes. just going at it. So in your presentations, that's what Kevin is talking about, where you are just in that flow state. You're in that state of flow yes. where you are just moving and grooving and this is your jam. Yes. Find that and you're golden. Yes. And there's not just one particular way of doing it. You have to, one, study about the flow state, kind of understand a little bit more. It, it's, it's not that complicated. But you have to study and then realize that you can create the flow state. Many people, maybe not many, some people think that it either happens or it doesn't. I disagree. I think you can absolutely create it, but you have to figure out how to create it. Like for me, one of the ways that I do create it is, in fact, by way of a question. Why? Because questions, you know, think about what questions do for you and other people. It immediately engages, or a story, by the way, right? It immediately engages the right side of your brain you immediately start imagining things and imagination is a great flow state you see being imaginative and so imagine that uh, you're sitting in the audience Bridget and I walk out on stage and you know let's just say I, you know, the speech is about from limited to limitless and um, and I just step out on stage and I just walk up to you and I say madam what's your name and you say, Bridget, I say, I want to ask you something. Who are you and why do you see the world the way that you do? You get it? You, you see what just, even just now just happens. And what it does, it immediately launches that person and the rest of the audience. Of course, they want to know where you're going with it, but it immediately makes them go, whew. They're, they'll look up into the sky looking at their imagination, trying to draw from wherever, God, the universe, whatever, you know, and then suddenly, not always, it, it starts. And, and for me, I immediately go into a flow state, you know, in doing that. Others, if you've watched musicians, I remember watching uh, Eric Clapton in a concert here. I didn't see him live. It was on television. And, you know, this guy's 75 or something years old. He's been playing. He's played in a million venues and you you often think to yourself how does this guy still stay actually interested in what he's doing how many how is he not bored out of his mind so he gets on stage he was sitting by himself and there was a band behind him. he was going to play some blues and here's what i noticed and this was only a couple of years ago so he was probably i'm certainly in his 70s probably 73 4 whatever and i noticed he was just kind of just kind of messing around a little bit and he was just he was just trying to find something that kicked in and and i watched him do this and i could see i didn't ask him but 100 percent sure that he was just simply trying to get into that flow state and suddenly the whole concert took off and you could just see man these guys are in it they're in the zone and so he created it and and we can too as speakers yep you're, you're spot on. You're spot on. Okay. Several minutes have passed. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. No apologies necessary. What is your question for me? Well, that's a good one. I, I'll tell you, it was immediate when I, when we came on to talk, it was just like within seconds, I realized this lady's got serious personality here. You know, I mean, really, you got a massive, and I say that, of course, in the in the most uh, uh, complimentary way. You've got such a beautiful, but um, you know, outgoing personality, 
And so I guess my question is, is in speaking, how do you use that? Do you know that you have this personality and then, and therefore can you uh, leverage it in your speaking? I must every single time I have to. Now, are there times when it is a challenge? Yes. For different reasons. Yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But yes, I definitely do make sure that I leverage it in my presentations. I uh, like self-deprecation to an extent. So you'll, you'll see that. Right. I, you know, well, and I was about to ask you, how do you, how would you then exactly you know, how do you tell to, other people to use their personality? Where do, how, where do they find it? Right. If it's not oh. that great. Okay. So this is, this is my, my charge to listeners. Mm. If you are not sure of just what makes you, you, mm. what, what is it about your personality that makes people sit up and take notice? I want you to ask close colleagues close friends, close Mm. relatives. What is it about me that just makes me so different or that makes you want to tune in? Or when you see my name pop up on your caller ID, you can't wait to answer the phone. Ask each of those friends in your professional and personal networks. Ask a few trusted friends. What is it? Is it something I do? Is it something I say? Is a, a look on my face? Is it the way I tell a story? Is it the way I move? Just think of, I think, use all of your senses, right? Wow. And just ask them, is it my smile? Is it my facial expressions? Is it the way I answer questions? Is it the way I engage with children? Just ask them, what is it about me that makes you want to be my friend? that makes you like me and then turn that up in your presentations for me I'm one of those folks where I find humor in almost anything (laughs) that I come I just do I love the absurd you know so (laughs) when I do presentation skills workshops I will tell them about a fail I will tell them about a tech issue I will tell them about a problem I I, you know Kevin I was doing this presentation in front of hundreds of folks in Orlando in May of 2022, and we kept having problems with the microphone. The lavalier kept cutting in and out. So then I said, okay, I'll use the handheld. Well, that didn't even work at all. And then they came and changed the batteries in the lavalier and they're changing the batteries right then and there. And the lavalier is back here, like behind me. And so, you know, and it's this guy and I'm like, what are you doing back there? And I'm still trying to go on with the presentation because it's a presentation skills workshop. That is just funny hearing it. Right? What you do when everything else is falling apart and I've got to kind of keep myself together. So. I love being over the top, as you can see. <laughs> I love it. Though. I mean, I can just see the audience just absolutely losing it. The guys behind there kind of piddling with your booty and, you're, and, you, and you say out loud because they're thinking it. What, what are you doing back there? You know, and the whole place must erupt. You know I mean? They were rolling. I even talked to a lady probably about two it. weeks after the presentation because she wanted to explore the idea of bringing me in to work with their trainers who deliver presentations as mm-hmm. part of their jobs. And so I said, I, uh, I said, you know, as I'm trying to put together a proposal that's going to make sense for the goals that they want to accomplish, I said, and we'll call her Kimberly. Mm-hmm. I said, Kimberly, you know, if you don't mind, tell me what was it about the presentation that made you say, I've got to get her in? What what was something memorable for you that made you say, this is the person to come do this job 
for our team. And she said, Bridget, I've got to tell you, it was something that you didn't even plan for. It was dealing with that microphone and how you just <laughs> effortlessly just kind of moved through it. And she said, I said to myself, my, my team, my team of trainers need to see how this is done. She said, you didn't just tell us what to do, but you actually demonstrated it when you hadn't even planned on having to demonstrate. How interesting. <laughs> so that's no longer a, a hiccup. It's now part of the show. Yes. It's, it's part of the, it's, it's, in fact, it's probably what they will leave and be talking about. This lady, you know, guy was fixing a microphone. She turned around and said, what are you doing back there? And the place erupted. And you can just, I love that, man. That's great stuff there. So for <laughs> listeners, yeah, those unscripted moments uh, might be the best priceless. time. Yes. Most priceless, most invaluable nuggets mm. of your presentation so be okay with going off script yep. your your audience may get so much out of it yep. so there you have it that's how the presentation ends up or that. the personality ends up in mm-hmm. the presentation i just i just show up as me and i've got the script and the slides to follow but if somebody says something or somebody does something that i think is far more interesting than what i have in my notes we're going down that lane. Roll with it. You got <laughs> yeah. that, man. Ask, ask, ask people in your circle, what is it that just makes you so different from everybody else that just makes them love you? What uh, is it that lights you up and makes you phenomenal in their eyes and use that to your advantage on the stage? Great question. Oh, man, that's good. That really is good. I mean, it, it goes back to that, that story that I told you about Marshall Goldsmith asking about how to be a better leader. I mean, just go ask the people that are observing you. Yeah. To your point. And they'll tell you, they see it. Yeah. Kevin, this has been phenomenal. Uh, Listeners, I trust you feel the same way. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, It's a complete pleasure. I appreciate you inviting me. What, what fun this was. (laughs) Absolutely. I'd love to do it again if we can. Let's do it, man. All right. Thank you so much to the listeners. Thank you, Kevin. And until next time, everybody, make sure you own the microphones.